Well, this morning I want to jump into 1 Timothy chapter 4. It's a passage that uh, is an important passage because it, it kind of gives to us a, uh, in a very quick and a very simple and a very short little couple of sentences here, the encouragement that every single one of us need to do and to be all that God intended for us to be. And so I want to say this right up front. I think you know this. If you've been around this church, you know, long enough, I know you've heard this. If you maybe the first time you've ever walked in the door today, maybe you've never been to a church in your entire life. Maybe you're watching this right now, wherever you are around the world. And maybe you've never heard what I'm about to say. I want you to know it is the truth that does not come from a preacher. It comes from God. God has a plan for you and he wants to use you to change the world. Now, I know some people would say, no, wait a minute now, look at me, I'm young, I'm not trained, I'm not educated, maybe I, you know, I I don't have a, a platform, I don't have an opportunity to impact and to change the world. How can God change the world through me? What can God do in and through me to change the world? That doesn't even make sense. I'm not a politician. I'm not a movie star. I'm not famous. I don't have the opportunity of writing books or speaking or or doing any of these kinds of things. How can I change the world? Here's how. Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. That God has uniquely gifted you. He has called you. He has equipped you to do what does not make sense from a human perspective. God can do incredible things in and through you if you will let him. And that is today what we want to talk about. Like how can we make sure that in the short time that we have here on this earth, that we can actually make a difference. Now, I said this short time that we have on this earth, because all of us, regardless of how old we might be, regardless of how old we might grow, all of us are only going to be here for a very short time. When you think of the scope of eternity, it's just a very short time. When you think of the scope of thousands of years going back to the beginning of recorded history, it's a very short time that we're here on this earth. The other day, I heard of a lady in Lynchburg who is 108 years old. That sounds like an eternity, doesn't it? It's still a very short time. I had the opportunity last year of going in and visiting a a lady in our church celebrating her 103rd birthday. And I was able to go over. She lives alone. And at that time, her caregiver was 95, taking care of her. And it was amazing, and and she was full of life and and healthy and all those kinds of things, but still a very short time. So, recognizing that in the short time that we all have on this earth, we have to make it count. That no matter what, we have to make a difference. And so today, we want to talk about, from God's Word, how we can do that. Because I've got to be honest with you, oftentimes when you think about someone saying, hey, listen, you've got the opportunity of changing the world. You've got the opportunity of changing the world. When we sit back and we think about, like, I don't even know where to start. Like, what do I do in changing the world? What do I do in making it? I don't even know where to begin. My dad, many years ago, when he founded Liberty University, he started using language that he wanted to train up young champions for Christ who would go and change the world. And that message is still true, and that that vision is still there, that passion is still a a part of everything that we do uh, around this place, and Liberty is still pushing forward with that mission of training up young champions for Christ to change the world, but yet we still sit back and be like, wait a minute, but how do I do it? And I've got to be honest with you, I could not begin to tell you how to do it, but there's good news, because God's Word can. 
So let's jump into 1 Timothy chapter 4 this morning. We're going to read just a couple of short verses, and then we're going to talk about some, uh, some great lessons that Paul gives as he writes this letter to Timothy to encourage Timothy, a young man, to encourage him in his ministry, to encourage him uh, to be brave, to be courageous, to be bold in his faith, to, to recognize that he himself had a calling from God to change the world, as we all do. And so here are the words of Paul to Timothy. And he says these words in verse 11, command and teach these things. Let no one despise your youth. Instead, you should be an example to the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. Until I come, give your attention to public reading, exhortation, and teaching. Now, there's just a couple of verses there, verses 11 through 13, three verses, simple verses, easy words, but in here we find a perfect little five-point outline of what we need to do in order to be all that God intends for us to be. Now, and here's the thing that I think Paul was making sure that Timothy understood. Because Timothy, he said, there's let no one despise your youth. And that word despise there is the, is the Greek word, kataphroneo, which literally means to, to put down or to disdain or to, to think less of. And I think all of us have been through moments in our journey, moments in our Christian faith where, where we have thought that people look down on us, that we don't have what it takes, that we don't have the words to say, that we're nervous about how we're going to approach someone and talk about the gospel, of how we're going to impact someone's life through the message of the gospel. We're like, man, I don't know what to say. I, I don't know what to do. Like, what if they laugh at me? What if they mock me? What if they, they criticize me? What if I, they ask me a question and I don't know the answer? And so Paul's saying to Timothy to encourage him in the exact same way. Hey, let, let no one look down on you because you're young. Now, a lot of times we think of Timothy as being this young man, this, you know, this, this late, late teenager maybe that, that is coming alongside and Paul is trying to mentor him and train him up. But actually, uh, Timothy here was about 30 years old when this letter was written. So in, in our context of our, you know, society and our culture, I mean, he was, you know, he was of age, 30 years old. I mean, he's somebody that, you know, should be well-established, somebody who kind of moving right along. And so uh, Paul was less saying to this idea of Timothy, hey, because you're a young kid, he wasn't really saying that. What he was saying is, is because people are going to look down on you and you might think that you don't have what it takes. And so what he's saying is, hey, Timothy, don't let anybody think less of you because you think less of you, because God can use you. And then he gives us a perfect picture of how that's possible. So here's the idea that Paul wanted to get across to Timothy. The only thing that can diminish our ability to change the world for Christ is not what happens to us, but rather what happens in us. It's not what people do to us, it's what we do in our own journey and in our own lives. And so he told them right up front, hey, you've got to be an example. You've got to be an example, recognizing this idea that you need to make an imprint everywhere you go. And did you know that in your journey today, in your walk with God today, everywhere you go, everything that you do, everything that you say, every decision that you make, it leaves a mark. It leaves an imprint in this culture and in this society. It actually impacts others, everything that you do. No one lives on an island. No one lives to themselves. No one is someone that, that doesn't have any impact on other people. Everything that you do, and so Paul says this to Timothy, you've got to be an example. You have to leave a, a proper mark. You've got to leave an impact, leave an imprint. 
You see, we're called by God to be an example to those around us of what it truly means to follow Christ. And here's the thing you got to understand. That will never happen by accident. You could come in here and you could claim the name of Christ. You could believe in your heart that Jesus died and that he rose again. And you say, I believe that. I want him to save me. I want him to forgive me of my sins. And I want the promise and the hope of heaven. You could say those words. And you could believe that with all of your heart. You could, you could believe that with everything, every fiber of your being. But I promise you, you will not make an impact for Christ by simply making that statement. You see, it doesn't happen by default. It doesn't happen by accident. To make an impact for Christ, it has to be something we do. It has to be a, an active uh, role. It has to be something that, that drives us, something that, that we're passionate about. We're, we're actually going to do something affirmative to impact this world, to be that example, that mark that God calls us to be in our culture. And so Paul talking to Timothy here, man, make sure that you're an example. Make sure that when people look at you, they're, they're seeing something that, that points people to Christ rather than points them away from Christ. And by the way, you know that's the only two options you've got, right? Nobody lives a neutral life. You're either going to point people to Christ or you're going to point people away from Christ. That, that's all there is. That, that, that's all that there is in this journey that we're on. And so what you do today is either going to point people to understanding who God is and what God has done through His Son, Jesus Christ, or you're going to turn people away. You're going to push them in the other direction. Now, you may not be living a life that uh, is, is like away from God, like running from God, like, like you know, totally a, a hypocritical, I mean, like kind of, kind of life that just, you know, people look at you and they just think that that person's a horrible person. You may not be living that life, but still, if you are not living affirmatively to point people to Christ, you will affirmatively push people away. You might be a good person. You might be a nice person. You might be a kind person. You might be the kind of person that, that helps others and, and, you know, helps your elderly neighbor get inside when they go and they bring their groceries to the house. You might be the kind of person that, you know, when you see someone in a restaurant, you smile and you, you know, you wave and you got a, you know, happy countenance. That You're somebody that really is a, you know, just kind of a, a positive person. But if you are not affirmatively living for Christ— just simply being nice is not going to bring people to the cross. And so Paul says, man, you've got to be an example. Now, here's what he did. Paul said this to Timothy, you've got to be an example, and then you'll see in your passage there, in your verse, that he uses another word immediately following the word example, and he uses the word in, I-N. In other words, here's what he said, you've got to be an example, and here's what you need to be an example in. And so here's where we find that little five-point outline, that little quick statement, five quick words that helps us today to understand what God intends and expects from us, what Paul expected from Timothy, so that we can make the impact God called us to make. The first word is the word speech. The words we use are always a picture of what lies beneath. The words that come out of your mouth are always a reflection of what is inside your heart. And we need to understand that because you need to think, what kind of language do you use? What kind of words are you sharing? And when I say words, it might be what you speak, it also what might be what you type. It also might be what you post. 
And also, you know, in those elements today in our culture where we speak not only with words like from, you know, coming off of our lips, but rather words that we post online, on Facebook, or all the other social media content. Matthew chapter 12, verse 34 says this, brood of vipers, now listen, think of that, brood of vipers, Jesus speaking. How can you, being evil, speak good things? And listen to these words, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So think about that the next time you're attacking someone on social media. The next time you're, you're going after someone because they disagree with you or they think differently than you do. Think of that the next time someone cuts you off on the highway and makes you spill your drink. That's happened. That happened to me this week. I was driving down the road. I had a perfectly good Diet Coke in my hand and somebody pulled in front of me and slammed on the brakes and spilled my drink. I'm not happy about it still. I mean, think about that when those moments happen, when, when, when those moments in life where someone angers you, when someone pushes you, when someone challenges you or tests you, think about what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 12, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. In other words, what's inside is what comes out. And so if our lives, if our hearts are full of worldliness, guess what's going to come out? This is not a tough quiz here. This is an easy one, right? If, you're, if your heart is full of worldliness, if it is full of darkness, it is full of sin and full of anger and full of evil, then make no mistake, that's exactly what is going to come out when we're pressed. That's exactly what's going to come out when we're, we're pushed up against a wall. We're going to attack not in a godly way. We're going to attack in a worldly way. And so that's what it's saying here. Paul said, listen, be an example in speech. Now remember, he's writing this passage 2,000 years ago to encourage Timothy because he knew what Timothy was going to come up against. Here's what he was going to come up against. Timothy was going to face people who did not believe what he believed and who were going to counter and, and fight against him for what he believed, criticize him because he believed that Jesus is the, God, the Son of God and that he died and that he rose again. And there were going to be people who attacked Timothy because he said, Jesus is the only way, the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father except through him. Paul knew that Timothy was going to face people who were countering every single argument that he made, pointing people to Jesus to try to say, we've got to be more inclusive. Timothy, you can't say that because you might hurt somebody's feelings. Timothy, you can't say that because they might be offended if you say that the Bible is the Word of God and Jesus is the only way. You see, Paul was encouraging Timothy to stand firm, to be an example in speech, because he knew the attacks that were going to come against Timothy. Well, hey, newsflash for all of us. Timothy did not face anything 2,000 years ago that we do not face every single day. Because today that same stuff is happening. Those same attacks are coming. That same criticism is right there. The same mocking, the laughter, uh, the, the, all the things that, that Timothy was going to face, that Paul knew he was going to face, are the same things that we face. And so here's what Paul said. Encouragement to Timothy, specifically to Timothy, but make no mistake, we can learn from this as well. Here's what he said. Be an example in speech. We've talked about this a lot this summer. And the reason is because we see so often Christians who blow it right here. Christians who attack, Christians who criticize, Christians who, who put others down simply because they don't believe the way that we believe, you will never criticize a person to the gospel. You'll never be able to attack someone and then get them to accept Christ. 
You'll never be able to put someone down and then bring them to the place where they realize they need a Savior who is Jesus and Jesus alone. You'll never be able to do that. So what Paul's saying, listen, don't, don't try to attack. Don't be defensive. You know, don't sit there and put up your, you know, your, your, your fist and, and get into the, the fight with people over issues. Don't worry about that. They, 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 yes, they believe differently. Be an example in speech. Speak the right way. Here's what Newt Larson says. I love this statement. The principle is to pursue Christ so diligently that the inner spirit is purified, producing only good and appropriate things to say. The same is true of our outward acts, our lifestyle. In other words, fill yourself up with the love of God, and then the only thing that will come out is the love of God. Remember what Jesus said, from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You see, when our heart is full of love, when our heart is full of Christ's love, when our heart is full of understanding and seeing people the way God sees them, you know what's going to happen? You're going to speak differently. You're going to talk differently. You're going to act differently. You're going to respond when people criticize you differently. And that's how we change the world. So, here's what we do. Paul said, be an example in speech. And then he went on to say the second word. Be an example in speech and in conduct. In other words, what we do. How we act. The things that we do. Our actions should always match our faith. Because if your actions do not match your faith, can anybody tell me what that refers to? What that's called? Anybody? Hypocrisy. If your actions don't match what you believe, if your actions don't match what you say you believe, if your actions don't match what you do in this room, that's hypocrisy. You come in here every week, we all do. Man, we worship, we love it, it's encouraging. We sing together, we we open God's Word together, we give together, we serve together, we do all that stuff. It's awesome, it's incredible. And then some of us will come here and we will worship God with all that we are. And then we'll walk out there and then we will act completely different than what we do here. It's kind of that old joke, you know, that when, you know, when people see the preacher come in, they, they, they change their, the way they speak and the way they act. It's kind of funny. I, I do know some people that, I, that I'm friends with. And I know, honestly, because I've, I've heard the stories, that some of the things that they say when I'm not around and what, you know, when I'm not, you know, in the picture, when I'm not around this group, some of the things that they say and that they do, it's different. And when I show up, that they change their language and they change their jokes and, and they change, you know, kind of the things that they do. Now, listen, I, I'm not some holier than thou thing, but they just think, well, man, the preacher's here. We better, we better act good. We better, you know, we better be different, right? Baloney. Let me just tell you something. Don't worry about whether I'm around. Don't worry about whether someone other, you know, another minister, another preacher, or, or some other great saint of the faith. Don't worry about that, because here's what I know. The Holy Spirit of God is with you everywhere you go. Don't worry about what I see. Worry about what He sees. Worry about what He thinks, because that's what really matters. It doesn't matter what I think of you. Oh, but man, it sure matters what God thinks of you. And so Paul's saying, listen, man, be an example in speech, but be an example in conduct. Uh, Philippians chapter 1, verse 27 says it this way. Just one thing. Again, Paul writes, live your life in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I come and see you or I'm absent, 
I will hear about you that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind working side by side for the faith that comes from the gospel. In other words, Paul saying, Timothy, listen, you make sure that how you act and what you do, make sure it matches up with what you preach. Because if what you do does not match up with what you preach, what is it again? It's hypocrisy. And guess what will never change the world? Hypocrisy. We as followers of Christ will never change the world if people will hear the right things, but they'll see something totally different in our lives. So Paul says, no, man, make sure, be an example in conduct. He goes on to say, the next statement, be an example in love. Now notice this now, the first two, speech and conduct, that's an external representation of what's inside of our lives, right? Now we go to the next three, which are an internal representation of our lives. And so he says, be an example in love. As followers of Christ, we do not have the luxury to hate. Let me say that again. As followers of Christ, we do not have the luxury to hate. We don't have the ability, the privilege of looking at others and because of their status or their position or their color or their beliefs that we can put them down. We don't have that right. We don't have that luxury. We don't have that privilege. We don't have that ability. Why? Because if we are followers of Christ, then we must love as Christ loved. And who did Christ love? Hey, let, me, let me give you a quick hint here. For God so loved the world. You see, we live in a world today where everything's getting divided, right? I mean, we can see it in the news. We can see it in the politics. We can see it in everything that's going on. Everybody is getting divided. It's like there's this master puppet up there somewhere who, you know, he's looking down and looking at all of us and he's moving us into corners and dividing by this and dividing by that. Oh, dividing by what you believe, dividing by what color of your skin, dividing by, you know, where you live, dividing by, you know, what, what political persuasion you are, dividing, 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 dividing. And when we divide, when we divide, when we divide, what we naturally do as humans, we begin to hate. We begin to look down on others because they're not like me. They don't think like me. They don't look like me. They don't act like me. They don't like to go to the same places as I do. They don't like to, to be the same kind of people that I am. You know, they're, they're, they're totally different. And so we are naturally being divided, and the natural byproduct of that kind of division is hate. But here's what Paul said. Paul said, be an example in love. In other words, be different, right? Because an example means you're going to be different than what should be. It means you're going to be different than what the world sees. It means you're going to stand out. And so he says, be an example in love. So what, how do we love? Well, Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbors yourself. He also said, love your enemies, right? We, we've talked about that a lot. It's part of our mission statement here, to love God, to love people. First Corinthians chapter 13, a beautiful picture of the kind of love we're to have. A love that does not hold grudges. A love that does not attack when people are different than us. A love that doesn't keep a record of wrongs. A love that perseveres. A love that is patient. A love that is kind. A love, as that passage says in 1 Corinthians 13, ends so, so eloquently, a love that never fails. You see, Paul wanted to make sure Timothy understood, listen, if you want to change your world, if you want to impact your world for Christ, oh, make, sure, make sure you recognize this. You better love the way God does. You better love the way Christ does. So we've got to love. The next word he gives, be an example in faith. In other words, be an example in being doctrinally sound, a 
conviction of truth. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15 tells us to, to be able to rightly divide the word of truth, the word of God. In other words, what that means is that we actually know what God's word says. Because if you do not know what God's word says, guess what you'll do? You will fall victim to every weird thing that comes down the line, right? Every wind of doctrine. And by the way, there are tons of winds of doctrine that are out there today. There are preachers that will get up in an eloquent way, in a kind way, in a, in a way that draws you in, and they will tell you things about what God's Word says. And if you go digging, you'll find God's Word has never said anything about that. God's Word has never told you that if you're a follower of Christ and you're faithful to Him, God's going to make you rich. God never said that. God's Word never says that if you're a follower of Christ, well, you're going to be healthy. You'll never be sick because, you know, God, if you're faithful, God's going to take it. That never is said in God's Word. What God's Word says is this, that if we follow Christ, that we are going to face many persecutions. The, the God's Word very clearly tells us that man is of few days and full of what? Trouble. And so we understand, man, listen, we must hold on to doctrine. We talked about that last week. We've got to be firm in our doctrine. We've got to stand on doctrine, stand on truth, stand on God's Word. Because if we do not, then we will be blown about, we will be misguided. And here's the purpose that Satan uses in misguiding us in doctrine, is he wants us to think that we have a faith, but that faith is not ground in truth. And what ends up happening is that points people to being good people who will spend eternity in hell because they never come to the truth, that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father except through him. And so Paul says, be an example in your faith. Make sure that no matter what those Pharisees tell you, you stand firm in doctrine. You make sure that you are convicted by truth, convicted by God's Word. You make sure that in everything that you do and everywhere that you go, when people hear you, when they see you, when they talk to you, that they're going to know this is a guy who truly understands God's Word. That's why it's so important for everyone in this room to dig into God's Word. That's why it's so important that you don't delegate your learning of God's Word to a preacher. I mean, yes, we come together and we study God's Word together and we talk about it, we preach it, and that's awesome and that's great. We should do that. In fact, you're going to hear in just a moment how Paul said, you better do that. But it is all of our responsibilities and all of our duty to make sure that we are digging into God's Word on our own. Here's why. Because if I ever get up here one day and say something that is doctrinally unsound, something that goes off the, uh, the rails as it relates to what God's Word says, so that you will know it and you won't be led astray. And then if I do, here's what I encourage you to do. I'm giving you permission to do right up front. If I ever begin preaching something that is against God's Word, here's what you do Monday morning, right right afterward. Fire me. Get rid of me. Throw me out. Because this is not about me. It is about God's Word and the truth of the gospel. That's why you've got to know God's Word for yourselves. That's why you've got to dig in and, and find out what it does it mean to follow Christ. So be an example in faith. And then the next one, be an example in purity. This is a big one. This is a big one because we know that in today's world, sexual sin is so pervasive and it is so present, ever present, and it's constantly trying to rip us away from walking in truth. So we've got to make sure that we are an example in purity, in cleanliness, in following after God's design and God's plan for intimacy and for sex. Look what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 18 and following. Run from sexual immorality. Now let me just stop right there for a moment. Could that be any more clear? 
run from sexual immorality. Every sin is a person, every sin a person can commit is outside the body. But on the contrary, the person who is sexually immoral sins against his own body. Don't you know that your body is a sanctuary, a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. And so it tells us right there that sexual sin is unlike every other sin. And here's why. Because it destroys us from the inside out. Sexual sin is something that will creep inside of your mind and your heart, and it will divide, and it will conquer, and it will destroy everything that you are and everything that you believe. I've seen it a thousand times, and I've seen it, and you've seen it as well. And people who have allowed just simple things to start creeping in, they start spending a little time on the computer going to the wrong websites, or maybe their phones. They begin looking into things they shouldn't look at. They begin thinking about things they shouldn't think about. And then it consumes them. And listen, again, don't take this preacher's word for it. Take God's word for it. It's unlike every other sin. While every other sin is a sin that is committed outside, sexual sin is inside. It's a sin against your own body, which, as this passage says, is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Who is in you? And so Paul says, listen... The temptation is going to be there. Make no mistake, you're going to face temptation. Make no mistake, you're going to run into moments where, where, where you're going to be tempted and you're going to be pulled away and you're going to begin to see things that, that begin to challenge what you believe and, and, and try to pull you in, drag you in. But Paul says when, when that happens, here, here's what you do, man. Be an example in purity. Let the world see in you something that is different because you are standing firmly on the truth of God's word and you will not allow yourself to give in to that natural human desire. So focus on purity. It goes on to say and tell us in in Colossians chapter 3 verse 5, therefore, here's what Paul writes, put to death what belongs to your worldly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desire, greed, which is idolatry. So what does he say? Listen, put it to death, kill it. How do you kill sexual immorality, the temptation to fall into that uh, sexual sin? How do you put it to death? How do you kill it? I mean, you can't like go drive a stake into it, right? You can't pull out a gun and shoot it, right? Here's how you do it. You put it to death by digging into God's Word. Because just as what is in our hearts will come out of our mouths, the more that we fill ourselves with God's Word, we push out the temptations that the world has for us. You see, when you're filling yourself up with that which is good, you leave a lot less room for that which is not. And so we've got to make sure that we are focusing on putting to death, pushing out, getting rid of those things that that pull us away. And so we have to understand what that looks at. Now, verse 13, he went on to talk about, make sure that you you continue, don't neglect that gift that God has given to you. He tells us here in this passage, like, keep preaching, right? I mean, you know, preach and teach. He talks about getting together in the gospel, but, he, but don't neglect the gift that God has given to you. The Bible says every one of you has a gift, a unique gift that God has given to you. And so what this passage kind of drives us to think about is what is that gift and how are we using it? 
We started today by talking about how every one of us has a responsibility to impact our world, to change the world. Every one of us has that duty given by God. We've got to do that. We have to do it. So are you? Are you making sure that you are putting into practice the gift that God has blessed you with, the gift that God has given to you, to use that, to do what only God can do through you? Are you using that gift in the right way? Because remember, as we said earlier, that the only way to diminish our ability to change the world for Christ is not what people do to us. It's in what we do. We are the only things that can stop us from accomplishing what God has called us to accomplish. You are the only thing that can stop God's will for your life. Satan can't stop it. Friends can't stop it. The world can't stop it. Only you can stop God's will for your life. And so as Paul wrote, man, don't neglect it. Use it. Be an example in your speech and in your conduct and in your faith in your actions, in your purity. Be an example in your love. And when you do, every one of you, doesn't matter how young, doesn't matter how old, you will change the world. That is what God intends for all of us. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for just the opportunity that you've given to us, you've called us to, to change the world doesn't make sense because we know us and we know that we don't have what it takes. But God, we just thank you that you have put within us everything that is needed to be that example to change the world. So God, I just pray we'll be faithful. That's what I pray. I pray that every one of us will be faithful to that call. And so God, I pray that today we would put aside the things that stop us. We will focus on the things that encourage us and build us and grow us towards you. God, right now, someone in this room, someone watching that in their lives, God, that they need to do business with you right now to seek that forgiveness that you promised to give. God, I pray right now that they would just say, God, I'm sorry for the, what I've done. I'm sorry for the way that I've been living. Change it now. With our heads bowed and with our eyes closed, in a moment, we're going to stand together. We're going to worship. When we do, our, our, our team is going to be gathered to my left, your right. And today, if you've kind of heard some things that have convicted you, kind of drawn you into what you know you need to fix in your own life. I encourage you that right now you just pray, God, I'm sorry for what I've done wrong and I'm going to change it, God. God, I, I'm, I'm committed to doing the right thing. God, help me. Give me strength. Give me the willpower to stand firm, to be an example in my speech, to be an example in my conduct to be an example in my faith, to be an example in my love, to be an example in my purity. God, I want to be that person. And I just encourage you to pray that prayer. Maybe you want to come down and talk with one of our team, pray with them about that. Maybe you're here today and you've never come to the place in your life where you have trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Man, I, today I, I've shared it with you a number of times. God loves you. Doesn't matter who you are, doesn't matter what you've done. God loves you, period. And God loves you so much that he gave his only son, Jesus, to come and to step into your place. To, in our verbiage, to take a bullet for you. To pay the penalty that you should have paid. Jesus did it. 
He died on the cross for our sins. He rose again three days later. And all we must do, according to Romans chapter 10, is believe. And so if you've never done that, I just encourage you to pray just a simple prayer. God, I'm a sinner. God, I'm sorry for my sin. I know I've blown it. But God, I believe that you love me. And I believe that Jesus died for me. And I believe that he rose again for me. So today, forgive me of my sins and save me today through your son, Jesus. If you prayed that prayer, man, I encourage you to talk with one of our team afterwards if you're here. If you're watching right now, man, go to our website at trbc.org start to help you begin this brand new moment, this changing moment where Christ is the Lord of your life. Let's stand together and let's worship. thank you for joining with us together today as we see what it is that God has done for us all. And today, if you've made a decision for Christ, or if you would like to talk further about what it is that God has done for you in the giving of His Son, Jesus, I would encourage you to email me at the address that is on the screen, pastor at trbc.org. We would love to connect with you to help you begin a brand new journey with Christ. 
If you would like to help contribute to our ministry as we take this message of the gospel around the world, go to the link on the screen today and help us help others with an amazing message of God's love.